0: Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Stephen Rhodes. You probably know Stephen. He's worked on a bunch of video games as a writer and as a narrative designer, like Witcher 3. You probably know that game, or LEGO City Undercover. If you've listened to Twin Humanities at all, you know uh, CJ's love for LEGO City Undercover. I sat down with Steven to talk about his love of the Souls games and uh, where he started from and how it's kind of influenced him over the years, and I think it's a really good episode. So check it out. You're a writer about trade, do I have that correct? Like, yeah. So, I'm curious. Um, I first, I, I first encountered you on the Twin Humanities podcast when you talked to CJ and Patty about stuff, and um, just was oh, yeah. really laid back conversation. Like those two guys are, are two of my best friends in the world. I love those two dudes to death, and so it was really fun. Like <laughs> them hearing CJ geek out about your stuff. Uh, I'm curious, like from a writer's perspective, like. What is? Do you have like an overall opinion of the Souls games that you've played? From a writing
1: point of view. Yeah, I mean, yeah. One of the, I mean, I, I've written articles about Souls narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, I love like one of the things that's always drawn me to it is the narrative, because it's so, it's so unlike other video games in how it portrays the narrative. Like, it doesn't give you like a quest. It doesn't give you like a story it just throws you into this world and you piece together what's happening through like cryptic conversations and uh, finding items and reading about them. And, and it's like, I, I love that the element of like explore, exploratory narrative where it doesn't give you anything upfront to give you context. It gives you the bare essentials and then it, it, it asks you, it asks of you, the player to invest time in learning about things. It's almost like, it's almost like part historical because you always turn up into these worlds that have had something that have had their time and gone and you're picking through the remains so it's like you're like it I've always seen it as I'm kind of part of part I'm like part archaeologist I'm like learning about this place and its culture and its people and the events that happened that have transpired after the fact as well as having my own goal of like you know restoring the balance or light in the fire or you know overthrowing the king it's like I always find that the the narrative history has always has always been really interesting and I think that peaks in Bloodborne. I think Bloodborne does it the
0: best. How's why why so in Bloodborne? Just out of curiosity.
1: I think just because it's it's a more isolated story and it's hmm. a more it's a more direct story and it has it has many, many themes that run through everything, and it's it's quite concise in its telling of it. I think I think Dark Souls I think there's a lot of interpretation that can be applied to the Dark Souls mythology and the lore behind it. And there's still, even after three games and a bunch of DLC, there's still some gaps in the knowledge of what's going down and stuff like that. And there's loads of theories, but I think Bloodborne does a good job of bringing you into this city and this place and learning about what happened in that one specific location rather than looking at it from like a the whole world's perspective did you think uh, it was
0: like it was kind of a departure when they started including um like basically like post-it notes throughout the world uh, that weren't item descriptions or direct conversations with npcs they were just items you can interact with to get you know a bit more story i thought that mm. was kind of weird and i was i was i've always been curious why they they chose to do that Uh, yeah i i I don't know why they chose to do that i think it
1: was good that they did that because Mm -hmm. it just was another tool in the belt of learning the narrative but why they why they chose to do it i'm not sure maybe it just fit i guess because I, i suppose i could understand it from a point of like dark souls the world's like societies and civilizations have fallen so there's no one really around to keep a living record to write notes really everyone's dead whereas in bloodborne it's a city that's in kind of quarantine but people are still there and it's like so i can kind of understand it from a point of like there's still people there to make records and to like give eyewitness accounts a bit like the whole um great fire of london type scenario where there were there's like it's one of those it's one of the first main historical events where we had eyewitness accounts that survived and that you can look at diaries and journals from the actual events. It's, I, I think maybe it's like it's sort of down that
0: road why they did it. Yeah, I guess uh, Bloodborne is a little bit more evolved just from looking at the society than the world of Dark Souls or its sequels. And then also we're a lot closer to the to the cataclysm, right? Like we're very we're we're not long after everything went bad. Whereas uh, in Dark Souls One, it feels like we're hundreds of years past where everything went bad.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that is. I think that's also key is that you're actually kind of living through the the horror rather than coming in afterwards. Um, I also love. I just love the the like the narrative themes in Bloodborne. I mean, I'm a big Lovecraft fan, so mm. I love that. Like halfway through the game, I'm just like, "Oh, this is weird Lovecraftian." I'm like, "Oh my god, this is full on Lovecraftian." <laughs> like, "Oh my god, there's elder gods and everything." And then were just you like,
0: were you expecting that from the game? Like, had you been spoiled no. on that twist? So that no, was, you I just came into that I blind. Had no idea. Nice.
1: Nice. I don't think anyone knew. Like, when because I got it like day one. I don't think anyone had any inkling of what was what was down that rabbit hole.
0: Sony did cause... an amazing job showing that game off without giving all of its all of its secrets away. I think. It just, oh yeah. It was such a huge surprise when he, I defeated Rom and like all of a sudden the moon comes down basically, and I wake up and there's all these giant spider creatures and. Oh god, they have been there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's such a freaky thing. You start going back through the game and you're like, oh man, this like time has passed, like the moon is gone it's into another phase. And like, there's all these weird creatures that I've just somehow missed. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, so I
1: scary. It, I loved it so much. And like just talking to people like, cause I think my article, my article on, on the bloodborne law still gets hits and still gets retweets and, and like linked to other, like people who are writing articles now linked to it because I was like, I think I was one of the first people to write about the, the law in depth, um, but I didn't on like I didn't do it on like a game site. I just did it on uh, Fantasy Faction, which was like a it's more about books than anything. It's just like a site I, I occasionally write for.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I just did an article there in it, but it still gets like some attention because it it was one of the first. But it's like I love talking to people now who are playing it for the first time, and I'm like, you know those vials that you use for health? They're like, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, you know, it's period blood, and they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, menstrual <laughs> blood. And they're like, oh my god, and then I'm like, oh yeah, how much insight have you got? And they're like, oh, I'm on like fifteen or whatever. It's like, oh, just. Don't don't spend it. Keep going and like see 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 if you can if you notice anything as it keeps going up. And then they come back and like, oh my god, these things started appearing. I'm like, yeah.
0: <laughs> I've said it a lot, and I uh, it's for some reason there's something about the Souls games, uh, specifically Dark Souls and Bloodborne, where it's almost as much of a joy playing them the first time as it is experiencing it through someone else's eyes that are playing it the first time. like I think that's why those games are continually at the top of Twitch streams and things like that, and why they're always requested. Like, anytime there's a big streamer, it's like, what should I play? Oh, play Dark Souls Blind, so people can be in the chat like, ah, yeah. you got your first mimic! <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, it is. It is it's, yeah, I, I wish I could go back and like experience
0: those games for the first time
1: again especially the first dark souls fuck i love that game so much
0: oh man i've, I've been playing through it again recently and it's just it's just <clears> such <throat> a reminder that it, it started off demon souls is, is wonderful and has a dear place in my heart but uh, mm-hmm. dark souls one was really my first game and just the the world design the everything about that game speaks to me on a level that a lot most of the other games just don't um and it's it was it's just a joy to play like i hate to make a cliche like that but it's an absolute joy to play
1: no, it, it totally is. It's, it's, it's an immaculate piece of video game creation. It, it really is a, a master class.
0: How long did it take, like, when you picked up Souls for the first time, um, how long did it take you to kind of figure out how it was trying to tell you the story? Did you pick it up pretty quick? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I guess, I guess I've, I mean, I'm obviously, I'm
1: into, you know, I'm into stories and, and lore Anyway, so like watching that intro cutscene, and it was talking about the four lords, and and then the pygmy, and it like talked about what happened, and I had loads of questions. I was like, this is like doesn't make any sense. And then, and then I think I think once I completed the game the first time, that's when I went back and started to dig through it on multiple playthroughs. Because I think I think the first time I was just happy to get through it and beat it. And I was just focusing on, on like, getting to the end of, and, and completing the game. And then when I started doing multiple playthroughs, and I started diving into, like, what things represented and, and who the characters were and what their role was in everything. And that's when I really started to delve down into, like, into that narrative, like, rabbit hole.
0: Were you playing this um, pretty much at release? Or had there been some time passed? Like, has had the community grown up around that game to be where it is today
1: no i mean i'm i'm kind of a i've always been a dark souls fan I, I was there kind of from the beginning i i remember i um a guy at work uh i used to work when i when i was back at um traveler's tales uh one of, one of my colleagues phil owen um he was i don't know how we got talking about it, but we got talking about demon souls um this was before um Dark Souls was out and we got talking about this and then he um I think brought it into work and, and was playing it on like lunch in one of the rooms. Um and I saw it and I was like, Oh that game looks cool and I was like, Yeah, it's on PlayStation. I didn't have a PlayStation at the time. So I was like I saw it and I was like, Oh my god, this looks like this looks totally like my my kind of game. So I went and got a PS3 with Demon Souls and like the Uncharted games and stuff um and started playing uh Demon Souls and like totally fell in love with it I was like this game is amazing it's like I loved the like the prison level with the with the horrible bell guys with like oh, the of yeah. yeah. a freaking Lovecraft novel those things they're just horrible and they like run at you and then suck your face off and kill you and it's, uh, I just loved how each level had like a different feel and theme and I loved I just loved the game and how how it was really hard but not not punishingly hard it was very fair and I just totally got uh, like just love that game and it still upsets me that I haven't got the platinum for that game and the reason is is because one of the trophies I've got all the other trophies like so all the weapon ones like kill the bosses blah 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 and then one of them is get all of the unique weapons so you have to go through the multiple playthroughs because each boss can give you different things I did all that, but there was one weapon, and it's in the Dragon God room. Okay, Uh, it's that big monster, like the big you fight in, like a coliseum. Mm -hmm, It's just mm -hmm. a giant head, and it's like because it's so big. Um, But if you go into that room, and your world is on pure white tendency because um, that stupid online system that they had where, like, deaths and kills <laughs> counted. Uh, if you had pure light tendency, so if you're, if the if the world, when you went in, was at maximum light uh, tendency, mm-hmm. uh, part of the rubble was not there, and you could reach this hammer that was, like, stuck in the level. And that that's the only weapon I couldn't get. And on my... And you have to get them all on the same playthrough, so you have to keep going through new game pluses to get it. So I was on, like, my fourth... So I was on, like, new game plus, plus, plus. And I'd, I'd, like, I'd already failed to get it three times. I was like, right, screw this. I, n- I need to get this weapon. I need to fix it. How do I How do I make sure I get this weapon? And I followed on a guide online. It's like, you know, disconnect from the internet, do all these things. And I did them all, and then the weapon still wasn't available. And oh,
0: no. That's so aggravating. It's like, oh,
1: oh, it's so annoying. And to this day, it like, that's the only trophy I don't have, and the only weapon I don't have to get the platinum, and it, it upsets me. <laughs>
0: the uh the character and world tendency of Demon's souls is such an aggravating thing to deal with on a mechanical basis like i think it's a neat concept i don't think they executed it very well but it's it's just it ends up being just annoying if you if you're actually trying to do something either you don't notice it or you notice it so much that it gets actively gets in the way of what you're trying to yeah. do
1: yeah i don't yeah, it makes no sense to me it's like i kind of see what they were going for but it just yeah it doesn't it doesn't really work <laughs>
0: So if you uh, play through Demon's Souls several times, when they announced Dark Souls, you must have been pretty excited about it. Did you kind of follow the release and watch all the trailers and get real into it?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I was. Yeah, there was lots of buzz in the uh, in the office at the time. It was there was a, a group of us that were really into it, and it was good as well because it was coming out on three sixty, um, and I I was predominantly a Xbox player. I had my PS3 for like exclusives mm. but I hated the PS3 controller so I was super happy that Dark Souls was coming out on the 360. Um, yeah and I got the collector's edition like on day 1 and it was it was great. Like that game is for me it's like it's the pinnacle of the series and it's always going to be the best version of of the series. It's like Dark Souls is is the crowning jewel of that series.
0: It's just it's so over the top, <laughs> and of everything else. Like I hate to say that because it, it I don't want to make it sound like you know Demon Souls or any of the other Souls games or Bloodborne is are lesser games. But man, it's just something about Dark Souls One, the way that combined the, the storytelling and the world design and the, the sheer variety of weapons and different builds that you can do and the oh and yeah, I mean the incredibly insane like. Charming and and mad NPCs that you run across in that game. (laughs) Like, I mean,
1: you talk to anyone uh, who's played, who's a fan of the series, and they all have, like, you mention certain things to them, and they all have a memory or a story. It's like you say, like ornstein and Smog, and it's like, oh my god, right? Say, like you know, Blight Town, you know, quailag It's like you know, the Hydra in the forest. Everyone remembers all of these, like. Things from Dark Souls One. I could, honest to God, I could not tell you the name of a boss or a location from Dark Souls Two or Three,
0: except for the ones that appeared in Dark Souls One, right? (laughs) Yeah, I, I honest to God, I could not name any of the because they're just
1: not as memorable. They're just, Mm -hmm. and I've played those games multiple times through. Like I've played Dark Souls Two through at least twice and done all the DLC, and likewise Dark Souls Three. Really enjoyed that game. I thought it was great. I thought it, it was a massive. Uh, improvement and I thought the world was beautiful and the bosses were cool but still still can't remember any of the, the like details from the actual game
0: yeah it's it's and dark souls 2 is is specifically dark souls 3 really is where I, I get that from because I played it twice Um, To go through and do achievements and to try to get into the PvP system because I was a huge PvP person in Dark Souls One and um, it just it just failed to click. Like I just I don't like it as much as the other games and I'm not I'm not trying to hate on it. Like I don't I don't want to say that it's a bad game because you know a bad Dark Souls game is still you know it's still a really really good game no matter what. But uh, and it plays wonderful and it looks beautiful. But I just there's just doesn't have the same kind of sticking power that Dark Souls One does. I mean the moment. It's a it's 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 kind of cheesy now, but you know the moment you meet Solaire for the first time, and you're like, "Who is this weird laughing man that's obsessed with the sun? <laughs> who, who is this oh God. guy?" It feels Solaire like there's mess. nothing like that in the other games.
1: No, and I think I think because to a lesser extent, there isn't. Like I don't think they have that that level of character that the first one has.
0: Yeah, it's it's a shame because I really wanted to. I really wanted those games to be better, but it really seemed like they, they excel in just doing one game in a series, right? Like, I kind of consider the, the true trilogy to be Demons, Dark, and then Bloodborne, because that seems like the, with, where those are the, the crowning achievements of the series.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I can see that. Um, I mean, I, thought, I still think the games, you know, uh, Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 3, are good. Um, I enjoyed them uh, a lot. But the original Dark Souls, it's um I enjoyed isn't the word. It it's not strong enough to convey the emotions that I felt for the original Dark Souls game. Or for Bloodborne for that matter. I absolutely adore Bloodborne. Bloodborne as a as a standalone game, Bloodborne might be my favourite from software game ever. Like I think I think it it's it just like it plays better than than dark souls i think like mechanically from a from a pure gameplay perspective i think dark souls is um is good but i think bloodborne is just like honed to perfection
0: i think they they mastered the weapon system in such a way that i when i got to dark souls 3 i felt drastically let down that the weapons weren't as complicated and i realized dark souls 3 has probably 20 times as many weapons that bloodborne does but that trick weapon system just the things you could do with it and the way that it felt in your hands oh. I, th- I think is just the best ever. yeah like the combat system of bloodborne is one of my favorite things to play
1: it is so satisfying like trick weapons were just so so satisfying to use like yeah it they were, it was such a good idea and yeah you're right like going from bloodborne to dark souls 3 was super upsetting like because you've you don't have those cool weapons, and you don't get health back from from like being aggressive. Um, even though they added an item that potentially gave you the same ability, but it didn't seem to. I never made it work. Like I had an item that was like, oh, you, it was I think it was a ring, and it was like, oh, after getting hit, you have a time to if you hit, you like recover health. But I mm-hmm. never could get it to work. I think like the window opportunity for it was so tiny that I yeah. could never. can never figure it out but yeah i just i loved i love the look of bloodborne as well i thought the game visually was probably the nicest game they'd done i thought it was better looking than dark souls 3 the the style
0: alone like with the cloaks and just the the way Mm. the blood would just cover your entire body and then you would take off like your hat and you'd have that that clear spot like (laughs) it around your eyes was really really neat i just man the, the the fashion in that game alone is just really really fun to experiment with and mess around with i guess
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It just looked like it just nailed its own aesthetic, which Dark Souls does to an extent. You know, I like the whole. Um, there's some cool looks in Dark Souls, um, but I think I think the difference between I think why Bloodborne and Dark Souls are my two favourites is probably because they've got the most interesting creature and boss design. Because I think Dark Souls Two and Dark Souls Three, they kind of got I don't know. It felt a bit boring and bland in the in the enemy department, especially Dark Souls Two. Dark Souls Two is just Endless armored nightmen as bosses, and it mm-hmm. made me sad.
0: The one interesting boss in Dark Souls 2 that I always go back to is the Demon of Song, that weird frog creature that would you know pull its lips back to expose its face. And there's just nothing else oh, like yeah. that in the game. And but and that boss is such a pushover too, so you don't. Most people just kill it the first time they ever encounter it because it's so easy to kill, and then they just move on. And it's one of my favorite. Like the music is really good, but nobody ever talks about it because it's just a. It's such an easy boss. I think yeah, I'd
1: completely forgotten about that boss. But <laughs> right, yeah, like I mention I remember him. Yeah, I did. I did like that boss. It was very. It looked very cool. Like,
0: it was very striking visually. Mm-hmm. I think Bloodborne probably has my favorite bosses. The, yeah, you know, I was always a huge fan of the Artorias boss fight, and uh, I feel like the Germin, Lady Maria, and Orphan of Cos fights, in Bloodborne are like Artorias, but refined to an nth degree. Right, like it's just they're just so intense and in your face, and it's it's a 1v1 one one fight that's just, it feels really good when you win. Like, it just feels satisfying. Yeah. Are you, did, did you, I'm assuming that you played through all the DLC and everything, right, too, right? Yeah. What was, um, what was your take on the, like, the weird way that they told that story? they kind of, like, going backwards in time to find out the secret. Because <laughs> I was, I, I, I had no I idea what was, it. I had no idea what was going on myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, I liked it for DLC, because I think, the game ends and it like has an ending. So it's like, um, I think it was a logical way to do DLC. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was cool. And I liked, I liked how they explored the hunters more in that DLC. I liked the, that they went back and looked at the, you know, cause you know, you, you know, like, you know, German and like, he's one of the old hunters and what he's like, that um, like fight with him is really cool, but it's like, well, what were all these other legendary like hunters like, and what, what like what did they use? So I think I, I enjoyed the DLC a lot. I liked, I thought I had some really kick-ass boss fights as well, like the the big um, Cronenberg horse demon guy uh, <laughs> Ludwig. Ludwig, <laughs> yeah, god, yeah. that fight is awesome. It's um,
0: <laughs> uh, it's rare that they do the the mid fight you know where they you get a cut scene in the middle of a boss fight right like it's it's relatively rare that they do that and that one when he pulls yeah. out the the moonlight great sword which was you know it's a it's a huge weapon if you're a souls fan like that's a big deal and to see it in bloodborne all of yeah. a sudden it was so exciting and i just the way the music is man that's just i was fist pumping in my, in my house when that was happening i was so excited yeah it's, it's very cool i like that little
1: that little connection that little nod i thought it was nice
0: are you much of a an online player? Like, do you do you do you summon people? Do you get summoned? Like, did you do a lot of that in, in Dark Souls? Because that's such a big component of the game for a lot of people.
1: Um, I generally don't. When so, I've done. I did obviously. I got the Bloodborne Platinum, so I've done all the um, Chalice Dungeons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a lot of summoning in them because I think they're quite good fun as a like co op experience. Me. But um. No, I I mean, I do summon and I do like to go to all people's worlds and I find it a more fun and rewarding way to farm souls if I need to than to Mm -hmm. just go and like grind enemies. I like to go into all people's worlds and help them kill bosses because I feel like I'm helping someone out as well as fulfilling my own agenda. Um, But I don't generally do PvP all that much. I've like dabbled in it every now and again, but I've never really been hardcore into the PvP scene. Gotcha. Um, it's, I mean, I do enjoy watching it online. Like, I love the videos of, it's in Dark Souls 3, and it's a guy who, um, he, like, goes to play people in PvP, but he's, like, naked and has, like, like just a stick or whatever, and, like, um... People think, oh, this is an easy kill, and they like they like mock him and like like tease it out a bit. And then when they go to like go and kill him, he like parries them and then pulls out the friggin' <laughs> mega weapon that he had hidden in and just smashes them. I love those videos. I love them to bits because just that is such a quintessential Dark Souls
0: experience. It's so fascinating to me the the YouTube culture that sprung up around these games because. Um that's where i got that's where i started doing stuff on the internet with dark souls was making dumb youtube videos uh because it was just so much fun to to mess with people like to dress up as an npc and try to trick them or to yeah you know lay traps and knock them off cliffs or 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 whatever did you get real into like the the whole youtube explosion around dark souls with the whether it was lore or dumb pvp stuff or or whatever because i went i went deep into a hole when, when i first got into these games I did. I've definitely watched. Um, I can't remember the
1: channel. Um, there's two. There's two channels that um, I went to for law that I found really interesting. Like I think that video is mm-hmm. one,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, I can't remember the other one's a British guy. Um,
0: there was um, oh a British guy. I'm not up. sure.
1: <laughs> I'll go. I'll go look it because I've got. I've still got them saved. I still watch any new videos they put out.
0: But um, yeah, there's like
1: two two law video guys. Um yeah, that video and the other one is
0: Where are you? I'm trying to think there was uh Quaylog, but that was a, a woman doing those. e n b and B Epic Namebro, was the other big name. I can't, oh yeah, remember. I mean I
1: I know I know Epic Namber, I've done yeah. had some
0: conversations of... with him. Oh cool. Um, I'm just looking
1: through my so I want to give him a shout out, because I like his videos a lot.
0: Huh. Maybe it's just
1: that video then. Is he a British guy?
0: Uh, he's Australian, which I guess is, is like being British. <laughs> oh, Silvermont massive one. I've oh yeah. Watched. Silvermont. Yeah. 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 I, I totally spaced on that name. I was thinking it could be Aegon too, but I don't think that, I don't think Agon's British. So, but
1: yeah, yeah. Silvermont, um, that video and Epic Name Bro. Um, I think Epic Name Bro was the first one. Uh, that I encountered, like I think, I think, I think I encountered Epic Namor back in the original Dark Souls days, and watched all his lore videos on that. Um, which is probably
0: why I got into like digging into the lore is probably because I saw some of his videos and I'm
1: like, oh, this is this is deeper than I thought it was. Um,
0: when you do play these games for the first time, are you are you on the hunt for that, or do you just kind of relax and make your first playthrough be what it is, and then start hunting for stuff on your second or third playthroughs? Yeah, no, I just do. I just do a very natural playthrough the first time. Cool. You don't try to like make uh, make, make notes or anything. <laughs> you can try to piece it, piece everything together. Have a have a bunch of red yarn on your wall, piecing items together.
1: <laughs> no, I uh, I'm not quite that that hardcore into it. I do um what I do do um for Souls, which I don't do for any of the games. I always buy the really big hardback special edition like strategy guides. Mm-hmm. Um, because not for the guides, because uh, that's not the point in the, in those games. It's more that they have in the back. They have all of the characters and the character bios, and all of the items and their item like flavor text in the book. Mm-hmm. So it makes it makes reading all the items a lot easier than like doing it in the game. Because I can just look through like all the weapons and read their flavor text and read all the character bios and learn about those characters. And and they're taken straight from the um, Japanese uh, game development documents. Mm-hmm. So there's usually stuff in there that doesn't make it into the game necessarily, like just additional notes and sentences here and there that that give you a bit more insight.
0: That uh, Bloodborne guide and then the subsequent one that they released for the Old Hunters, which uh, <clears> kind of fleshed some stuff out that they were missing from the from the main guide, is just about a work of art. Like I, I'm kind of like you. I don't really use it for. Maps or boss strategies or anything. I'm more just interested in like the the lore ties to characters and things like that. But just the art and everything in that guide is so well done. Like it's just a beautiful book. Yeah, no, they are they're really nice. So what was it? We, we've kind of talked about Dark Souls three, but um as somebody who's obviously got a lot of affection for the series, starting up Dark Souls three, which is a little bit controversial nowadays because it leaned on Dark Souls one lore so much. Were you engaged with the story that they were trying to tell with this kind of collapsing universe in and of itself, or did a did some of these callbacks kind of frustrate you, or kind of what, where were you at on Dark Souls three as a as a whole?
1: No, I liked it. I liked that it was uh, it was a callback. I liked that it was they were like trying to bring things full circle and, and connecting the the games together despite them clearly being separated by, I'm assuming, hundreds or thousands of years. Um, I thought it was really, really interesting um, for them to do that. Because I thought, I, I liked I liked how Dark Souls 2 had little references, but mm-hmm. they still tried to keep it, like, not separate, but it was clearly, like, a different part of the world. But I liked that in Dark Souls 3 they brought it more, they brought it closer to being, like, Dark Souls 1, they, they they brought the lore a bit closer to home to try and tie it, tie it, tie it up.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting. The, I was I was really hoping that they would go, kind of, they would lean into that, right? Like I almost wanted to see the end of this universe at the end of Dark Souls three, um, but uh, mm. it just it just kind of it almost feels like it ends the same way that Dark Souls one did. Um, well, yeah, I guess the whole point is that it, the whole like
1: world is cyclical and it just keeps it's going round on its loop, and so I, I think it'd have been weird if it had had a definitive ending.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I know. I just, we, especially with the Aldia ending of Dark Souls Two, I was it was kind of Aldia trying to get trying to break that cycle, right? Trying to get out of that whole thing to try yeah. to give you that third option. I was kind of hoping that we were going to be that that changing force in the universe. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, I just you just if this is going to be the last Souls game, right? Like I wanted everything to end, basically. <laughs> that's I guess that, that's a weird thing to hope for, but I, I guess that's what I was hoping for at the time. Yeah no, I mean it would have been it would have been amazing
1: if they had if they'd have if they'd have found a way to like really pull it off. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I get why they didn't try and do that because I guess it's still about. It's weird that, that they're games that aren't they don't really publicize it as being about player choice, but it kind of is, especially like at the very end. It's like you get to choose, like how not how the world ends, but how like historic events play out, like how, how the world moves forward, knowing full well that it's all going to come back around and, and the same things are going to happen anyway. You know, I love that dark souls makes that really apparent. It's like, you know, you you've rekindled the flame, good job, but you know, how long is it really going to last? You know, it's faded before it's like, it'll fade again sort of thing. It almost makes your your victory and your choice seem kind of hollow. Um, which again is probably an intentional theme.
0: Absolutely, I'm I, I firmly believe that with the way that they, you know, the NPCs basically lie to you at the beginning of the game of like you have to go ring the bell, and then you get to the fireling Shrine, and he's like, "There's actually two bells." First off, <laughs> 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 and then second of all, there's like a thousand chosen undead. Like you're not the only chosen undead around here. Okay, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of you trying to do this. <clears throat> That's one thing that I really like about, and one of the again one of the strengths of Dark Souls One is the way that they tie. All of the all of the player phantoms that you see and all the multiplayer aspects of that game into the actual theme of the story itself, so like all the people that you see summoning are just in different weird timelines and you know that are trying to do the exact same thing with you. It makes it feel like a an, an expanded universe not to not to not the expanded universe from Star Wars, but just it just makes it feel bigger for some reason, I guess which i don't know I, I like that kind of stuff the way it makes oops. the way it makes everything feel a little bit larger than it is
1: yeah it, it gives you it does a very very good job of making you feel like you're part of an entire world without showing you a huge amount of said world um it's, it's very cleverly designed in that way i think
0: as a as a writer yourself does the way that these games tell their story has that changed the way that you write games or that you or that you present stories to, to a player has it um, influenced you at all I mean, it definitely has. It's like it, I love
1: how how the Souls games deliver narrative, um, but it's it's a very particular way, and it doesn't work for every game. Um, like I've wanted to do more, dark, like what I consider Dark Souls lore delivery, but um, it's it's difficult to get like creative directors and stuff on board of it because it is so indirect and you know the industry there's so many games for people to play and um, a lot of focus is on player engagement and making sure that players know what they're doing so that can get just so they can get down to just doing it so it's to to go, to someone and say, hey, you know all that cool law that we've written and that we've that we spend all that time doing. How about we don't tell the player what it is? Instead, we just <laughs> we just seed it through the game and and like sort of make them go find it. And most times they turn around and go, yeah, no, let's not do that because <laughs> we spent all this time making it. We should put it front and center because of you know yeah. we want people to experience it, which is you know a totally valid argument. But I I, I appreciate that games like Souls do spend all that time making this really interesting narrative and then are brave enough to, like, leave it to be discovered and not have it, like, jammed into your face. Because I think there's something to be said about narrative subtlety, and I think it's something that the games industry doesn't do a lot of mm-hmm. because, I don't know, like, current trends in the market and stuff like that. But I I think there is a place for it, and I would love to write a game I guess like I guess like the walking simulator type games do it a lot, where it's like you don't know a lot when you start, and then the whole point of the game is to walk around and find out what happened. Um, but that's all there is in those games. Whereas in Dark Souls, you've got this really hard, like RPG experience, um, but then you've also got this like narrative puzzle to to solve at the same time. And I like that it's. Uh, I think I, I like that for now at least. It's it's a it's almost like a USP, like a unique selling point of the Souls games for me. And I'm kind of glad that not everyone else does it because it means that it's special to the Souls series um, and the From Software games. And that, that's kind of nice. It's kind of nice that that is not... Because usually if someone has a cool mechanic or a cool like system, the rest of the industry emulates it. And it's nice that everyone else doesn't like it because it keeps it unique and special.
0: And even when they try to try to replicate the success of the souls games in various different ways, like salt and sanctuary took a a similar narrative approach with the item descriptions. And they even put like a, you know, text on their, um, in their skill tree. so that you would unlock something and you would, you would get text in a certain node that gives you, you know, light armor (laughs) abilities or what have you, but it still didn't quite work for me. Um, and you know, other games have tried the Souls formula, but they seem to just get like forty percent of it right at any given time, and they can't get all of it right, so yeah, I've just I've just finished playing
1: um Neo, the Team Ninja game mm-hmm. that's very, very much a Souls inspired experience. Um and I'm also playing The Surge, which again is a it's by deck 13, and that's uh, who made Lords of the Fallen and that's also i mean lords of the fallen is a very souls like game and the surge is also in that vein um but they do they do narrative uh, quite differently than souls they're a bit more direct in their approach but uh neo has like full on cutscenes like it's it's it has like every level every major story level sort of ends with a with a proper cutscene mm-hmm. and the the production value is quite high in that game and that game is also huge um and it's divided into levels. So again, you've got that difference between a souls game and, and, and Neo is that Neo is like, you have a world map and you like go into levels and and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, they deliver narrative in a very direct, like traditional way, but I love that game. I loved it to pieces. I played it and it took me like 50 something hours to complete it. Um, and it was amazing. It's really, really good souls like game. Um, like the difficulty level isn't isn't stupidly high but it's 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 up there and it it feels challenging but not too stupid um it's got really good weapon systems it's got really good combat mechanics it's got lots of flexibility it's got lots of gear it's very very good if if you're a, f- uh, a fan of souls games neo is definitely one to
0: to play while we wait for bloodborne too um, <laughs> e 2018 E three twenty eighteen, Bloodborne two. You heard it here first. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of hoping that they
1: show it at PlayStation Experience in December.
0: Yeah, or or TGS um, which is sometime this fall or something.
1: <clears throat> I think we might get a tease. I'd, I I mean, I was hoping that it would get announced at, at E three, but Sony more like ever since they started their PSX thing, they've been held, They they've been holding stuff back mm-hmm. for that show. So, I'm wondering if maybe Bloodborne 2 is going to be one of the big headline announcements from PlayStation Experience in December. So, I'm hoping at least by the end of this year, we will have confirmation and a nice CGI trailer that Bloodborne 2 is a thing.
0: You know, I was thinking uh, back to Bloodborne 1 on a, you know, when it was called Project Beast or whatever, and it leaked like those five gifts leaked out or, or what have you that somebody mm, tied into a movie. Yeah. And, um, I want to say, wasn't that game officially announced at TGS um, back back then? And then it was at E3 the following year because I remember it in the E3 demo, like they were already to the point where they were showing off challenge sessions and things like that. Like they were showing off cooperative play. So I was thinking that it was announced at the, the year before at TGS, but I might have my dates wrong. I'm not really sure.
1: <clears throat> yeah, they. From what I remember, I could be wrong because it was you know it was a while ago now, but. I'm pretty sure they they first announced Bloodborne at E three hmm, with okay. the CGI trailer. Um, I'm pretty sure that was when the world first knew about Bloodborne was that trailer. I remember watching it thinking, Oh, what's this? And it was like, Oh, it's from software. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh. I was like, This looks soulsy and then yeah,
0: that, that trailer's awesome. I, uh, man, I, man, he, I remember just being so excited seeing that those first like four or five gifts for Bloodborne and it, you know, having that excitement carry in through something that is just as huge and wonderful as Bloodborne is, it's, it's a rare treat with games, right? Cause we're usually, we see games so early and by the time they come out, like it's almost like everyone's done with them before they even play them. So for Bloodborne to come out and be as good and as, as a, such a huge presence in the industry is such, is such a, I mean it's just, it just blows me away that From continues to make these huge games almost year after year after year. It's been what like 8 years since Demon's Souls and they've put five games together four of which have huge DLC packs. I mean that's just that's insanity to me.
1: Yeah, they've they've certainly kind of just exploded and become this they're almost like I mean they've coined a new genre really like, you know. If you say to someone it's a Souls game, they know they know what kind of thing to expect like they've kind mm-hmm. of they just kind of brought, brought this new thing to the industry and it's, and it's been like embraced and now everyone loves it.
0: So I, I usually ask like what, uh, people are looking forward to from, from software as stuff gets announced, but it kind of sounds like bloodborne two is, is exactly where you're at, right?
1: Yeah, that's, I just want it. I want it. I just want it in my life.
0: <laughs> well, Stephen, thank you very much for spending the time. Uh, this has been just such a delight to talk to someone that's in love with the Souls games as much as I am can you uh, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet
1: uh, yeah sure um, I'm on Twitter at Rhodes underscore Wright, Um R-H-O-D-E-S underscore W-R-I-T-E-S um, and I have a website which is again is, is Roadright at uh, Rhodes Um, which is like my, it's kind of more like my online portfolio, um, but I also use it as a blog. Um, I haven't posted on there for a little while because I've been super busy, but that's the place to go when I have anything remotely interesting to say, which is almost never. (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah, other than that, I mainly just, I mainly just interact with people on Twitter generally. Um, that's where I'm the most active and where I talk the most rubbish. Um, but yeah, no. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been really fun to. I love nerding out about Souls games, as uh, as you you knew full well before we uh, before we had this talk.
0: Oh yeah, when you were like, uh, I think you just put on Twitter something like, "Hey, I, I want to do a podcast." I was like, "Ooh, me, 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 me first. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like I really I really like podcasting, but um, I can never bring myself to do all the like planning and editing and all that other stuff. So I just generally go and visit other people's podcasts and, mm-hmm. and talk about various things which is nice, I like it, I like podcasting and I like nerding out about stuff uh, and Dark Souls and the, the From Software I can't, can't speak are definitely one of the things I like to nerd out about.
0: Yeah, I, I started this because I could not stop talking about it so I would have an excuse to talk to, you know, for hundreds of hours of, <laughs> of Dark Souls to people that I barely know, so I totally understand <laughs> what you mean. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, we're all in it together. You see, that's what I love about yeah. another one of the things I love about the games is that it's got such a really good community. Like everyone's super into it, and everyone's really positive, and, and we're all we're all just super obsessed with the games, which is it's really nice because there's so much. You know, I'm in the games industry, and like, I always see there's so much like hate and vitriol going around because you know gamers are, are gamers, and they have a bit of a bad rep for doing stuff like that. So it's nice that from of like sort of nurtured this culture from their ironically really hard unforgiving games and made this really welcoming and, and nice community for everyone to to talk about in
0: yeah it's really nice my um the, the the twitter community like my little souls bubble on twitter is just full of some of the nicest people on the internet ever like Hardly ever argue. Nobody says really bad things about you know nice people. It's just a, a bunch, a group of people that just love Souls games that also talk about other stuff because there's only so much you can say about a Souls game after a while. But it's been really impressive to me that 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 can still exist on the internet in between you know all of the hate and horrible things that that are out there on the internet. So props to yeah, it gives Soul me Twitter, a bit right? of hope.
1: <laughs> yeah, it gives me a bit of hope for for humanity that we can all get together and collectively talk about really hard video games <laughs>
0: <laughs> well thanks again for guesting I, I really appreciate it <clears throat> no thank you it's been, it's been a pleasure it's been, it's been really fun As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at J.G. Greer. You can find the podcast at Don't Give Up Skeleton. That contains links to all of the episodes. Um, It also contains a link to our Instagram page where I post previews of the episodes as they're released. So if you want to know what you're getting into before you listen to a whole episode, you can go there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for leaving iTunes reviews. It really helps us out. And remember, don't give up, Skeleton. And that's it. Good stuff. That was fun. Yeah, thank you again very much. I know I've said it several times now, but I really appreciate you coming on and doing that. Uh, yeah, this was just a lot of fun. I'll, uh, I'm not exactly sure what this is